This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hey there, coffee lovers. Are you ready to take your online presence to the next level? Well, grab your favorite mug because you're in for a treat. Welcome to the Coffee with Kate, brewing business brilliance for entrepreneurs podcast, where we brew up strategies to help you stand out online. I'm your host, Kate Payne, and I'm here to ignite your digital presence and bring out the best in your business. Like you, I love coffee, but my true calling is helping entrepreneurs like you unleash their unique stories to make a lasting impact in the world and become more visible online. I'll be your guide as we delve into riveting conversations with experts, clients, and colleagues. We'll cover a wide range of topics from networking and digital marketing to social media and the latest business and personal branding trends. Consider this your all-in-one resource for online visibility. Together, we'll discover all the ways you can stand out online and make an impact in the world. So let's connect, share ideas, and learn from each other. Hey, everybody. Kate Payne here from Standing Out Online. I have my friend and guest here today, Donna McPherson, CPA from New Jersey. And we're going to talk about taxes. Yes. <laughs> here, Donna. Yes. So I, I must admit, I'm actually not drinking coffee. I am drinking water. I only do my one cup a day. So <laughs> same here. I'm drinking tea. There you go. So coffee with Kate just sounds better than tea with Kate. <laughs> right? It does, but it works. <laughs> yeah. So I'm so excited that that you made the time to be with me here today on my Coffee with Kate show. I'm in my my um, my fourth year of my Coffee with Kate show. Oh wow, that's fun! And um, oh my gosh, Laura Gisborne is here. Laura is uh, an eWomen Network member. I yes, I know. Thank you for being here, Laura. And um, I'm excited to be talking to you today. So Donna, let's get right into this. When you describe yourself and what you do, we know you're a CPA. Um, we're not going to get into all of that. But one of the things in how you describe yourself is you're a profit strategist. Yes. What does that mean? Well, Kate, listen, profit, if you have a business, profit is the key to your success in business. You know, they say cash is king. I say profit is queen. Profit because is queen. Profit is that. queen because without her, there will be no king. There will be no cash. Because all profit is, is accumulated cash. Mm -hmm. You've spent less money than you brought in. So you have profit left over. And that ends up in your bank account as cash. And that's a good thing, right? Yes, that's an amazing thing. So when you, but when you let people know that you're a, a profit strategist and you're working with your clients, how, how are you working with those clients? Like who is the client? First of all, what type of client do you, do you normally work with? And, and when you sit down to talk about profit strategy, how do you how do you approach that? Well, one of the first things I want to know, the people that I work with are business owners. They're CEOs. Uh, they can have a medium sized business. But most of them have smaller business that they want to grow. And if you want to grow your business, there are certain elements that have to be in place and they include a plan for profitability. You have to bring in money and spend less of it in order to have profit. Right. And that is what you're going to use to grow your business. So I, I, I primarily work with business owners who are already generating revenue. Mm -hmm. 
But what happens is they do not have enough flowing to the bottom. So they're not accumulating cash. They're not accumulating wealth. And every year they find themselves starting over in exactly the same place as last year with goals to generate a certain amount of revenue. And then they may fall into the same pattern of spending more than they bring in. And instead of having profit, they end up with a loss. Right. And that's what I try. I I help them prevent that. So um, what types of clients do you typically work with? Who's your who's your sort of ideal client? My ideal client, usually, I, I have both men and women, but I tend to work better with women mm-hmm. because they tend to relinquish a little bit quicker. <laughs> I think that's very true. I think women women do business differently than men. That doesn't mean that, that, doesn't mean that men do dif- that men do business badly. No, it's different. It's different. It's completely two different approaches. Yep. And usually, my ideal client is a woman. Or, or a man who knows that they've done all they can and they find themselves not getting the results that they want. And now it's time to bring somebody else. It's time to bring in reinforcement. Someone <laughs> who can look at the numbers totally differently from they are and help them make decisions based on numbers, not instincts or emotions. When you When you work with numbers and you understand how every transaction affects your bottom line, you are mindful all year long. Right. If you're selling something and it's $2,000 and, and somebody wants you to make a deal that is going to cut that down to 15, then you know that 15 is going to reduce your bottom line. Mm-hmm. And you're able to make decisions based on that, not emotions. Right. Right. Well, that's the, and that that's the hard part, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's the hard part. So do, um, do people reach, do women reach out to you typically when they're just starting to feel really stuck? Typically they do. Oftentimes when they come to me, it's because they've already hit the wall and they're not sure what to do next. Mm -hmm. Ideally, if someone were to come to me when they're thinking of it, like I got a call yesterday from a young lady who's thinking of expanding. She has um, rental properties and she just bought a lot. And she said, I want, I'm making a decision on whether to build or to sell it. Right. Now we can do an analysis based on what our goals are and see which one would work out better for her. So mm-hmm. she's going to make the decision based on numbers. Right. Right. Before she gets into it. Right. So the other thing that you on uh, when when we um, talked about what you do and, and the types of, you know, the skill sets that you have or your niche specific skill set is, you know, you're a profit strategist. You're also a business advisor, which of course is kind of just goes with the whole, with the whole package. But you also refer to yourself as a growth CFO, CFO, meaning chief financial officer. Yes. Talk a little bit about that, that part of you. Okay. That is what that comes down to is growing with intention is you are planning to grow. It could be another year, two, three, what's working right now. We look at what's working right now that we can accelerate what's not working that we can eliminate because the one thing you don't want to do is grow a mess. You're going to grow something that's not working. That's okay. Yes. So you really want to make sure you understand what's aligned right in your business, what's really working well. And and also what you really want to continue doing. Because mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but we've all been in situations where we've done work that it's, yes, we do it, but it's not exactly what we want to do. When you're growing, that is the time to really decide what works for you 
what works for the business, what works for your bottom line. And I help them see it from all of those angles. Because remember, I'm outside looking in. I'm not attached to anything. So I can say, it appears that this is working. It appears that that's not working based on your history, based on your numbers. Let's make a decision what we're going to eliminate, what we're going to revise, what we're going to restore, and move forward. Okay. So this is really interesting to me. Do you have to be someone's accountant in order to do this? Or can people hire you to not necessarily be their accountant, but to be those eyes on their on, on their goals, similar to what you just did, so that you can be advising them, but you're not necessarily working with them as their accountant? Is that something that you offer or do you have to be their accountant also? No. In fact, I prefer not to be their accountant. Okay. Because when I'm the accountant, I prepare the numbers. Right. And I, I explain the numbers and then I use the numbers to make decisions, to help them make decisions. Any competent accountant can do that. What I do is really based on what the CEO wants to accomplish. What is her dream, her vision? What does all of this mean? Is it for a better and sooner retirement lifestyle? Mm -hmm. Is it to... Um, to put their children through college without a, what I consider a college mortgage. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is you want to accomplish, I focus on the end goal. I think too often people start businesses without an end goal in mind. Right. So you find yourself working and working and working and you start to get exhausted because you have not defined what it is you want. So you don't know if you're getting there. When you know that you're getting there, you feel better, you feel energized, you can see it. You can right. see the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. So I help to create that plan based on your vision. And then we look at what resources you're working with. What are you selling? How do you price it? Um, how do you get it to your customers? What does all of this cost? Mm -hmm. And what is left over for you? And oftentimes, if there's not enough left over for the goal, then we have to make some decisions. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So... We keep hearing the term virtual CFO a lot, um, or, or even fractional CFO, I've, I've heard, which I'm not as familiar with. But um, so so explain what that is, because I think a lot of people, especially uh, people who have probably been in business for a long time, still have a traditional way of working with an accountant or a bookkeeper. And I think they feel that that person literally has to be you know, in their community. And now, because of technology and the way things are changing, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. Kate, that's one of the greatest things that could have happened to business owners. Business and finance, that's one of the greatest things. You can have expertise that you need from anywhere around the world. Because of the virtual platform, we can, we can, we can serve our clients anywhere. Imagine right. someone in Canada mm -hmm. wanting a, a specific type of expertise. Right. They can access it from Brooklyn, New York. Right? Yes. Right. That's the beauty about the virtual. You don't have to come to the office. Right. You don't have to hire based on location. Right. You hire based on the expertise that you need. Right. So um, so you don't you don't so as an as a CPA, can you can you only work with people in certain places? Like do you have to be licensed? Is it like being a, a lawyer or a financial no. advisor? No. Okay. No. Okay. Not unless I hold myself out to perform right. services as a CPA. Okay. A CFO does not have to be a CPA. 
Okay. It helps to have that background, but right. it's not a requirement. So if you're just joining us, we are talking today with Donna McPherson, who's a CPA. She lives in New Jersey. We're going to talk a little bit about your, your story. I want to kind of hear your, a little bit of your background because you don't sound like you're from New Jersey. <laughs> and, um, and, if, and if anybody has any questions, uh, Donna's not only a CPA, but she's also a, um, a virtual CFO. She's a profit strategist. She's a business advisor. If any of you have any questions about growing your business or profit or pricing, or even maybe getting, we're going to get some tips from Donna on um, some year-end tips, which hopefully you've done a lot of your year-end preparation by now, but there's yeah. something you need to do in January also. So, um, so Donna, tell us a little bit about where you came from, because I really love your story <laughs> and, um, and, and how you came to, to the U.S. Oh, wow. You mean you want me to go that oh, yes. far back? Well, not way far back, but where, where are you from originally? I'm originally from Guyana, right? In South America. The culture is Caribbean. So most people refer to us as Caribbean. Okay. Um, but yeah, Guyana. Is I wouldn't mind being in the Caribbean right now. Seeing how I'm in about six degrees and we've got about a foot. Tell of me about it. Yes. <laughs> um, so I've been here um, for about 40 years in the U S yes. And, um, when I came, I first thought I wanted to be a nurse. So go figure. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite different than what you're doing now. But one of the things that I realized is at some point, I would have to do an in internship that required that I couldn't work. Mm -hmm. And so um, one of my coworkers, I was a bank teller, I was working at a bank and she was in school to be an accountant. And she said, why don't you try this accounting thing? I was like, I don't know that I like it. But I did. And it was quite a journey. But I do recall one thing that someone said to me. I said, what if I do it? I do want to be a CPA because I, I did some research. And someone said, Donna, if you go part time, it will take you 10 years to become a CPA. Wow. And I said, yes, 10 years would have come and gone. And I would have regretted if I didn't do it. It did take me 10 years. It did take you 10 years, right? It did take me 10 years. Between going to school and then getting the certification, I had to work for a CPA firm right. for a number of years to become certified. So, yeah. So, how how did you come to the States again? Um, What do you mean? Yeah, well, you came from, so, so how you how did you get from Guyana to here again? To the oh, my dad. My dad was here. My dad, my dad came on vacation, and my brother was already here going to school. My dad came on vacation. My mom had already passed and he fell in love, the whole love thing. And then he <laughs> the whole love thing. And you know, you follow your heart. We all follow this heart. Yes, yes. So yeah. Oh, cool. All right. So let's get into um let's get into a few things that I think we can help our 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 listeners here today in talking about some things that they may need to be aware of for January. So, you know, I have a bookkeeper. I was working probably November and December on getting all my year end numbers organized because let's face it, I'll admit it, um, where I should be looking at some of my numbers during the course of the year, I'm looking at them really quickly because I'm still in the midst business of trying to bring in new work and serving the clients. I got it. I got and, it. And I think we all can probably relate yeah. to that. And here I am admitting it in front of everybody. <laughs> but but then when I knew I needed to get things in order. Uh, once I did it and took the time to do it, it actually didn't take that much time, but it organized things much better. So, the, yeah. so, so what are, what are two things that people 
should be thinking about it's still, you know, here we are on January 20th. Um, mm -hmm. and there, but, but there's a lot of things happening in January that sometimes we, we forget about, or we overlook. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. This is the time to start pulling your information together. By that, I mean, if you have not yet done your numbers for last year, you want to get all your bank statements, go through them for all of your expenses. You don't want to miss those important deductions. Right. Um, also your credit card statement. If you mm -hmm. purchase things by credit card, even though you have not yet paid that bill, the IRS allows you to write it off because it's an obligation that you've already incurred. So get your credit card statement, your bank statements, go through them and categorize your expenses to make it a little easier for your tax person. Don't give them a shoebox with receipts. We don't we don't like that anymore. <laughs> no, no, there's been, I, that nobody wants the shoebox of receipts anymore. So break them down. With, you know, it's between your supplies. Don't forget the software, the website um, fees, all those little things that you may tend to overlook. Pour through those statements. Right. So document them. The other thing is, a lot of companies are no longer mailing your 1099s and your 1098 forms to you. You have to go online and download them. For your mortgage statement, you have to sign in, look for those things. Sign into your bank portal. Sign into your bank portal or yep. your or your mortgage your company. Or with mortgage yeah. company, right? Yeah. And download that 1098. Have it ready. One thing that will help you figure out what you need, look at your last year tax return. If you're a Schedule C filer, look at the category of the expenses. Just go to that form, Schedule C look at the category of the expenses and try to come up with all of those expenses categories right. that you did last year. Mm -hmm. You do that, you will find yourself in a much better place than waiting until it's time to go to the tax person, your tax professional. Right. But other things do come in the mail. What kinds of things come in the mail? And do they have to be, they usually come in January. Don't they have to be sent out before the end of the year? They have to come... They're required to be sent out by January 31st. Okay. So if you, some mortgage companies still mail. So mm -hmm. your tax documents, you should receive them by January 31st. If you do not receive them by that date, that is a telltale sign that they are probably wanting you to download them. Okay. So just go ahead and reach out and download. Well, one of the things that I've had to, to do um, that I didn't use to remember to do is, um, there were some things with, it was one of them was, a, it was, it was stock that I had in my bank, which is a community bank, but yeah. I had to go somewhere to get that because that wasn't mailed by them. And, um, it was a schedule. Uh, it was a, 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 a K. The K, schedule K. Yeah. But most investment companies will mail your year end state. Okay. That much you will get. You will okay. get, if you invest in like a you know, Morgan Stanley or, any of those, they will mail your year-end statement. If you do not receive it, though, you do want to reach out to your advisor. Okay, what about W-9s? Especially for those of us who are women entrepreneurs, a lot of us have contractors. Um, what is the rule of thumb for, for W-9s from the standpoint, like, am I supposed to be sending out W-9s to my, like, virtual assistant, for example? Well, here's the W-9 is a form to collect their information so you can report it. Right. You want to have that W-9 ready as part of your, your working documents. So when you hire a new person, 
and you've agreed that they're going to be paid as an independent contractor, that's where you give them a 1099. Have them I'm sorry, 1099. I didn't mean a W-9. I apologize. I used the oh. word. So 1099 is what I meant. I apologize. The 1099, yes. The W-9 does come first, though. Yeah, okay. There is a W-9. So so sure what I said, because I'm not the CPA, that clearly. Okay. So make sure you have that W-9 form, because that's where the information is for you to mail them the 1099. Gotcha. So when the year ends and you accumulated how much you've paid out, you tally that number, you send them their 1099 also by January 31st, if you paid them over $600. Okay. All right. Yes. That's that's really important. And here's a quick tip for this year. Okay. All of those payment platforms, Zelle and PayPal Venmo. and Shop, if you are receiving income from them, if they're paying you now, they're going to be required to, re to report anything they pay you over that amount. Right. So if you're having people send you money for non-business reasons, be mindful. Yeah. That okay. they can push you into a higher tax bracket. I had something happen um, a few years ago. It was when um, when I first started taking online payments. So I had Stripe, I had PayPal. Um, I would get a, a form from them yeah. for, for all of that. But then I was also recording that in my books as mm -hmm. income. And so then it was basically I was showing it twice. You wanted to, oh my goodness. Yeah, so my tax preparer caught that because I, I didn't know the difference. I was wanting to do the the right thing right. by sending the form that came in with pay from PayPal and Stripe. But she was like, as long as you've recorded it here, then yeah, you know, but don't, don't do it twice. Cause then you're going to, well, you know, it is just a backup. If you yeah. have it flowing from PayPal into your, if you use QuickBooks, if Which you I do flowing yes. into your QuickBooks as income, it's already there. Correct. That 1099 is just telling the IRS that this person received this amount of money. Right. You've already documented it. You're good. Okay. So you don't need to like send that form in then? No. Because it's already in the books. It's already in the books. If, if you have it, the IRS knows about it. Gotcha. You just want to make sure that whatever that total is that they're reporting to the IRS, yes. your income in your books is at least that amount. Okay. Great. All right. So what, what, to go back to my original question, what are a couple of tips people have? So you had started out saying, get your statements together, really understand your expenses. Um, I think sometimes there are a lot of things that people don't realize are expensives. So, yeah. you know, and then they, they miss opportunities. Well, this, one of the things you can, you can do retroactively, if you already spent money, you have those. If you haven't spent it, you don't have the expense. There's something you can do about it, except your home office deductions. Okay. If you operate a home, a business from home and you're paying expenses for your home, like rent or mortgage utilities and all that, you can still deduct the percentage of that on your taxes based on the square footage that you use for the office space um, versus so like the square footage of the spare bedroom, for example. Yeah. Your office. Okay. Or, or, or your dining room that you no longer use for eating. In. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yep. And your garage. I remember the last time we sat at our dining room table. Right. The garage you use for storage. Yeah, right. Yeah. And your car. If you use your car for a percentage of your business, a percentage of that also goes towards home office. You have a really sharp accountant. They can help you figure out all of this. These okay. are things that you should just know. What what is um what is the rule of thumb in this day and age now with regard to receipts? Like I save all of my receipts and I write notes on them. It's just the way I've been doing it for years. 
But now my bookkeeper has said, you know, you can take pictures and pull them into QuickBooks and have them live there too. But what what if you need to show, I mean, should you still be saving your paper receipts? What's what's the deal with that? No. Okay. Because a lot of times, especially the credit card receipts, they get erased. And you realize sometimes you purchase something and you go a, a couple of months to look at it. If you have it in your wallet, you open it up and it start to erase. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you're better off scanning it. The okay. rule of the IRS is they just want to know that what you're deducting is reasonable and usual for your type of expense, for your type of business. Okay. If you have a copy of a receipt, your business name or your name is on it, it's usually reasonable. And 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 if it's a necessary expense. Okay. What's yeah. the rule with that used to be like save all of your receipts and stuff for seven years? You still need to keep your documentation for seven years. Okay, but we don't necessarily have to keep You don't have to keep those papers. As long as we have them or something so that we have them. They're up with technology also. They they, they recognize that. Um, No one walks around with all of these boxes anymore. Okay, except for me. (laughs) And I keep them in a really pretty box behind me. Well, partly I, what I actually, what I do is I do keep the receipts because then when I go through to double check everything, it's just, it's my, it's still my way of having a tangible, I guess. But once I've gone through it and done that to make sure everything's in, then I've been getting rid of them. Okay. So you scan them? Yes. Good. Yep. Actually I do photo. I take photos with my phone. Oh, that's good. Yeah. They have programs for that, you know. Kate. Well, you know what? There's an app now that my bookkeeper just told me about. So I have my QuickBooks app on my phone and I can take the picture right with my phone and it mm-hmm. goes right into QuickBooks and then I don't even need to deal exactly. with it. Yeah. Yeah. And my husband's been doing that for years and he's like, you're the techie and you're still not doing that. I don't know if it's just an old fashioned, like I'm afraid that well, the IRS is going to do something in, in paper. I don't know. So, all right. The other the other tip that we had talked about um, before we got on, on the call was um, um, the various tax documents, which you went over that you need to download. So that's that's a tricky one because I think sometimes just people forget to do that. And, uh, you know, what do you suggest they do? Like some people may not even realize it. The best tip I can give you, do it on a monthly basis. Oh. You will remember. When you document things, the, the sooner it's the better you're able to make sense of it. Okay. Not only you're looking at your expenses and you realize if you work with a budget, you'll realize whether you're over or under, but it also lets you explain it. Okay. And your bookkeeper will love you more. (laughs) So I have another question to talk about. So when we have a lot of us who are in business, as you know, especially who are um, people like me, like a solo entrepreneur, um, you know, I set a goal every year for, for what I'd like to, generate for revenue. Yes. And of course, you know, what your net income is different because the expenses are still high over time. So when you finally like hit a milestone in your business, let's just say, let's say you want to make, um, you know, let's say you want your goal is to make a hundred K and you reach the generated revenue. And then when you look at your expenses and then your net income isn't so hot (laughs) when you're first starting out in business or maybe three or four years into business, that's kind of normal, right? And then what do you want to do going forward? Because you want that net income to also go up some, right? And reduce expenses. You do. But here's something. Here's one way to think about it. You want to know what you can expect in terms of profit from your business based on your industry, what you do. That's just regular operating expenses. 
aside from the investment that you're going to make to grow your business. Okay. So like I did an exercise with someone yesterday and her regular operating expenses were about 3000 but then she's also investing in coaching, in business development and all that stuff. That's additional. So what you want to do, you want to know what your regular operating expenses are so you know that you're being efficient. And then if you make a decision to invest in, you are taking your profit or what your profit could be to invest in growth. Okay. You decide how long you're going to do that for. Okay. In the beginning, you're probably going to do more because you need more help. But then as the years go by and you're better in certain areas, you probably require less of that, but you're going to probably invest in growth strategies versus um, just understanding how to run a business. Right. But if you're getting the return in your investment in growth, if you're investing, let's say 10K in growth and whoever you're investing with is helping you get 20K, Mm-hmm. That's a 50% return on your investment. I say that's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. But so it's also considered an expense. <laughs> it's not an expense at that point. It's okay. an investment. And that's why you really have to understand that what you're doing must bring you some kind of ROI. You have right. So you have that conversation. What can I expect? And listen, it may not always be you get money back. It could be you grow your influence. It could be you grow your reach. But it's all words. I love that. Growing your influence. That's really key. Yeah. Like investing in with you, you grow your influence, you grow your reach. And at some point that turns into income. Right. But it may not be within the first six months or a year. Right. You just have to plan that out. Okay. And usually you can tell someone when they can expect to see um, this turning into revenue or income. Okay. That's where you lose me a little bit. And that's why I don't, that's why I'm not a CPA or a book. <laughs> but, but when I give like my numbers to my accountant this year, you know, I have all of my expenses and then I have a line, I think it's professional development, but that, and that is basically, it's my coach. Right. Cause I have a, I have a coach that I, you know, I'm higher for the year. But here's the beautiful thing about that. When you invest in professional development, if it's going to give you a loss that year, you may not want to take that loss. You may want to take that. If you invest 30000 in professional development, you yep. can spread that over three years. Do oh, 10, really? This year, 10000 Yes. Mm-hmm. You can amortize certain expenses that are going to give you benefits over a certain period. So okay. in, if investing in your coach is going to give you returns over a three-year period, you can spread that cost over three years. You don't have to do it all that year if it's not going to give you a benefit. I see. Okay. Oh, I learned something new today. I'm going to share that with my accountant. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So gosh, you're full of, you're full of good tidbits today, Donna. Thank you. I think it's time for a sip. (laughs) Yes. I'm so glad you you could do this with me today. So um, we're winding down here. And I want to just thank people again for watching on on the replay. Most people usually watch the replay. And the cool thing about the replay, though, Donna, is that when I put it out there to people, I can say, hey, if you want to learn about this and this, you know, you know, this is what would be good for you. Um, 
So uh, my friend, my friend Lynn is just popping in here from Facebook. She said, grow your influence. You should make t-shirts and bumper stickers. <laughs> Maybe you should make some too, Donna. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Lynn. And um, so let's just talk a little bit. So first of all, if someone would like to set up a call with you or connect with you, what is the best uh, way for them to find you or reach out to you? The best way, if you type in talkwithdonna.com, you'll get 30 minutes on with me. Oh, great. But the, do, you, do you also have a website? I have a website. It's donnamcphersoncpa.com. It's it's an older site. I'm working on a newer one. But for now, all my information is there and you can reach. Okay. And how else might they be able to reach you in case your LinkedIn coach was talking to you? They can reach me on LinkedIn. <laughs> Look at that. It just happens to happen there. Yes. That's fast. Yeah, we're still we're still finishing some things up there, but um, your LinkedIn presence is is coming right along. Yeah, um, and also you have a book. I do have a book, and it's called "The Price of Fake Is Real: How to Stop Pretending and Achieve Real Business Success." So, tell us a little bit about the book. What are some What are some nuggets in there that that would um would would be great takeaways for for people? So, the whole premise of the book is. If you don't know what to do, don't try to figure it out. Don't fake it. Get real and get help. It can cost you so much more, as we know, mm -hmm. to have to redo stuff because you allow pride. You allow pride to stop you from profiting. Or ego. Or ego. Yes. Well, that's both. Yeah. No, I. So, you know, the whole thing is I've, I've, I've given tips. Um, and I've shared stories of people who knew that they needed help, got help right away, and are still hitting it out the park. Mm -hmm. People who refuse to get help right. and are still waiting for their money. Right. Danny just popped in. Hey, Danny. Hey, Danny. <laughs> I'm glad to have you have you listening. Thank you. Um, I also just wanted to put the thing back up about the book. So if you were interested in Donna's book, go to that link on her website, and there's instructions there on how how you can get her book. Yes, and it's also on Amazon. Oh, it is on Amazon. I didn't see yeah. the Amazon link on your website. So um, I told them about on Amazon. Well, I know that I'll put the title up again, just in case. So if you yeah. want to find it on Amazon, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, great. Good to know. If they come to my website, they'd get an autographed copy. But if you go to Amazon, you get I Amazon always copy. love getting an autographed copy. In fact, I would like to get an autographed copy of your book. And you've got it. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So what are some other things based on our conversation? What are, can you think of any other little nugget or gem that you would like to leave with people today um, about profit, growing their business? Um, you know, where do you feel like maybe your sweet spot is where somebody could reach out, you know, to you and have a conversation about something? Um, here's the thing. Most people are not, they complain that, or, or they talk about not making enough money in their business. And usually when I ask, well, how much do you want? How, what would make it feel like it's worth it to you? They can't put a number out there. Right. So if you don't know how much, what is, what is going to make it feel like this business is worth it for you, how are you going to get it? You have to have a number, even if you have to change that number. You, this is how you get your value. You have to, I call it number your value. Put a number, number your value. I love that. In fact, I have it so happens that I have a training coming up next Wednesday. Oh, do you? I didn't know yeah. that. Oh, so tell us about your training. So it's called, um, it's a training to help 
entrepreneurs put a number to their value and then know how to price their products and services to get it. Okay. So I call it, it's called number your value. So if you go to numberyourvalue.com, I have um, a gift that okay. tells you the three key things that you can do to really identify your value so you can get paid for it. So that's the number one thing. Know the dollar amount of your value. If someone says to you, Kate, I want to work with you. What is your dollar amount per day? That number should just come out your lips, just like okay. that. If you already know, you calculated it, you know that number will give you your 300 or 400,000 a year, whatever it is you want, know that number. One of the things I read, I read a book probably four or five years ago that was talking about not charging hourly fees, like, and, and, and not yeah. time for dollars, so to speak. I agree. And, and to figure out what you have the conversation more about your value than like, I charge two fifty an hour, you know? I agree. Um, and it's, and yet when I still talk to some entrepreneurs, they're still basing everything on hourly. And it's like, I, it, I don't even know what word to use to say, cause like when you work as a coach or, or like what I do or what, even what you do with, when you're the virtual CFO or whatever, is you're bringing value to something. You're creating usually a package. You're usually long-term, one month, three months, six months, year, whatever. And that's there's a rate that you're giving them. And this is these are what you get. Like, if this is your problem, this is how I can help solve it. Exactly. When people ask you that question about coming up with that hourly rate, what do you say? Here are two things I would say. One is the hourly rate serves a purpose for you internally. Okay. For the public. Yeah. It is to let you know what the value of your time is. So you should know that. If you know that, I'm not going to do anything for less than 2000 a day because that's my daily rate if I were to work it. Just know that. But that doesn't mean that's what you charge. Okay. What you charge is based on the value that you're giving that person. Correct. How you know the value is you got to do some work. You got to know what your competition is charging. You got to know what this person is willing to pay to solve this problem mm -hmm. and know what your company needs, not just what you need to be paid, what your company would need to be whole to spend time with that, pay for your VA, pay for all your equipment, your, your website, here. <laughs> all of the stuff that you use to give them benefit. You want right. to know that number because when you put that value out there, you can't have regrets. Right. This person is taking more time than you thought it would because you based it on an hourly rate and you thought it was going to be four hours and now it's like 10. Right. We have a few more people who have popped in here. And uh, if anybody has any questions, now is your time to ask any kind of a tax or profit question or growth question to Donna. So pop it in the comments and I'll I'll ask her. We were going to sign off. But now that I see all these people are in here, I well, let's keep going. We'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So. It's, it's interesting, though, but I, th I also think I'm going to get into something a little philosophical here. Okay. I also think women are better at talking about their value, whereas I think sometimes the, the male mindset, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, really seems to still focus on that hourly rate. Would you, would you, would you sort of, do you sort of see that? I think women just know how to have the value conversation a little bit better in some cases. But you know what, Kate, in some cases, and those are women who have been in the industry. For oh, absolutely. Like been in corporate or whatever. Yeah. When, when they're new, they're still kind of uncertain. They would give a price and they start right away pulling it back. It's like, right. oh, oh, but I can discount it or, yeah. or that. 
you know, but women who understand, when you truly know and understand your value, you call your number. Right. Because you know that it will not make you feel like you're really doing your best work mm -hmm. if you undercharge. And it, would you say it's, I mean, it, it, that takes some learning. Like that's not something yeah. like when you hang your shingle out and you say, I'm going to start this new business. That's a, that's a challenging thing to do. You know, everybody wants to just kind of like hang their shingle. They want to make money, but they also know like, I'm, you know, okay. I know so-and-so does this and they make, you know, and you go by somebody else's price. Yeah. And, and you can't, you can't go there. So what do you suggest for the person that's starting out so that they're still not undervaluing themselves, but they're also, you know, being realistic? Well, you know, my story, I told you when I first started, I exactly put my shingles out there without figuring out an income strategy. Right. And so six months later, I had to pull that shingle down because right. the income wasn't flowing. Right. So what you need you need a strategy to make money, to sell what you're, what, whatever you're offering. That's the number one thing. You have to know that what you are providing has value for somebody, not what you think you should do, what you feel like doing, or what you see um, Mary is doing or John is doing. You have to know that I really want to do this. This is the value of it. People will pay for it because they're already paying for it. Now, how do I get them to pay me? Right. So number one thing, know how you're going to make your money. Well, I also think that if you're going to make an investment, because I think a lot of us, when we start out in business, we don't have a lot of resources yet, or maybe we do, but we're just being really careful on, 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 on making them last because, you know, we're taking a risk uh -huh. starting a new business. Um, what would you say is one of the most important things a person should, should do and invest in right when they're ready to hang their shingle? Invest in someone like me. Mm -hmm. You need a plan. It. I, I can't say that enough. I've seen people go at it alone and end up spending three, four times as much and end up in the same place. Well, not to mention the overwhelm and the... Um, the Who's going to guide anxiety? you? <laughs> right. Who's going to talk? Who are you going to talk with yourself? Right. Who's going to guide you? Who's going to let you know that this is the plan and now we're falling short and we need another strategy, right? Need someone in your corner that knows and understands business, someone who's done there before they're 10, 20 steps ahead of you. So they can look at what you're doing and say, if you continue on this road, this is where it's going to take you. And it's not where you want to be. Right. Right. So invest in getting the help that you need. The number one thing, it is so worth it. And you may say when you're starting out, you don't have money. True. I've known people start a business on a credit card. Mm -hmm. I've known people. I'm not saying, listen, I'm the last person to tell you to go put yourself in debt. But <laughs> if you're not ready, you're not ready. But if you don't invest in what you need, it's going to cost you more. The price mm -hmm. of fake is real. It's real expensive and it's real pain. Right, right. That's my dog. Okay, he's just having a little moment here. This is like my, like I, oh, I have a little dog. Little dogs have this thing called a reverse wheeze. And um, so, you know, now in our new world of whatever happens in the background, now you get to hear my dog have his little sneezing issue. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, this has been great, Donna. And uh, one of the things I, ju I just got asked, I just got asked by, um, a person who's a fellow sort of influencer in the world of social media or digital marketing. And he's putting together some content and he 
asked me if I would um, answer this question, like, what do you wish um, you did when you started up that you know now that you wished you'd done then? And I wrote, I wrote, and I did a little, little quote for him to use in his content is um, I wished I'd hired a bookkeeper and a business plan person right from the get-go. Because even though I knew business and I had worked in companies and my father owned a business, I mean, I had, I'd also, you know, been to college and kind of about business and stuff like that. But when you're doing it for yourself, your vision and your right. and your reality can, can be completely, you know, distorted. Yes. And so that was that was basically my thing. I wished I had done that then. I was able to figure it out, and I realized it soon enough. But I probably should have realized it sooner. Yeah. So it I is mean, fill in your gaps. Uh, yeah, one yeah. That I do when I plan. I plan for the results that I want, and then I look at what I have in place that will help me get it, and what's missing. Right. Right. And that's why I'm working with you, because one of the things that was missing was to uh, to have a better reach or more influence with the people that I want to, right. to, to work with. And I know that I couldn't give that to myself because I didn't know. Right. Well, it's right, right back to you don't you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what right. you know. So you and do so, your plan, look at where your gaps are. Right. And if you're really serious about getting those results, figure out how you're going to fill those gaps. Yes, right. Exactly. Well, Donna, I can't thank you enough for having coffee or tea with me today, as the case may be. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I We know how people can get in touch with you. Donna McPherson, CPA.com is, um, is her web. I'll throw that up here real quickly, just so that people can see that. And you can also reach out and connect with Donna on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, those are the two best places that you can get in touch with her. And um, please uh, thank you all for watching the replay on this and um, feel free to put questions in the chat and tag Donna or me. So that Absolutely. if you watch this in a day or two and you have a question, you can put them in the comments. And um, if we can't, you know, if it's something that's a little more confidential, then maybe Donna would reach out to you through private message. Absolutely. Okay. I'd be happy to. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Donna. Thanks, everybody. We'll Thanks, see everyone. You all right. Bye. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. Your journey to online visibility and personal branding success is just beginning. If you're ready to take it to the next level, I have something really special for you. I'm offering a complimentary discovery call exclusively to our listeners. This personalized session is your chance to ask questions and gain insights on your personal branding efforts or even your LinkedIn marketing strategies. I've also prepared a free ebook titled Telling Your Story, tips to discover what sets you apart. It's packed with tips and tricks to help you identify your own compelling slice of life story. This resource will empower you to craft a narrative that captivates your audience and sets you apart from the competition. To schedule your free discovery call or to access the Telling Your Story ebook, simply click the links in the podcast description below.